sin that is within us in our nature, when we see that Scripture points out something to us that is not of God's design or God's purpose, um, we tend to doubt God's law. Um, atheists, that is their big thing, is they doubt the existence of God or the law of God because the things that Scripture suggests are so completely different than what seems to be human reality. And they say that is the basis for why none of this can be true in the first place. Um, or we begin to claim the things that God says are not of us as things that are very part of who we are. They're integral to who we are as a being. And if it's integral to us as a being, then obviously there must be something wrong with God's law. Or obviously scripture has not been taught the right way. So if we can't change the thing that God points out within us that is not of him, or we have strong feelings about the things that Scripture says with us, then God's law must be inaccurate. And the reality of it is, is that all of us at some point in our life are confronted with something that we read in Scripture, something that we're taught in Scripture, that we don't like. And our response is usually, well, this isn't right. Or, or, we try to overshadow it with the right religion. Well, it, I may not have that or I may not get that right. That might be wrong, but I'm going to do all these other things right. And that's where that statement, well, they were a really good person. That's where that statement comes into play. Well, maybe they didn't have that right, but they're a really good person. Well, maybe I can't get that right. But if I do all these other things right, surely, 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 God will take, care, take that into consideration. But the reality of it is, is that when God judges things as right and wrong, it's not, a, you didn't do it my way, so I'm going to smite you. But it is, God is perfect and God is holy, and things that are not perfect, things that are not considered holy, aren't able to exist in, in His presence. We've talked about that hundreds of thousands of times. So the idea that I can't master this, so I'll overcome all of it by doing good and all these other things, uh, is the reality of a lot of times how the church approaches God. And we tell people, well, that's okay. If you can't get that right, and if you, you're having odds with that, just do right. Just live right. God will take that into consideration. And that's kind of a dangerous way to present the gospel because what we're doing is we're presenting the gospel as not something that needs to be surrendered to or something that needs to be accepted or believed, but it's almost like a flotation device that's just there to help us. When the reality of it is, is the gospel of Jesus Christ is so much more than just a flotation device for life. He's actually inviting us to a new way of thinking, a new way of existence. And what the gospel actually calls for, more so than the right living, is to be able to accept what God has said. To have an eager heart and a trusting heart. And that's what Paul goes into in this chapter talking about. He describes the struggle that exists within us as individuals. And how sin still brings up the, follow, uh, the desire to follow our flesh or follow the things within us. While the Spirit is trying to work within us to bring about living according to God's righteousness. So if you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to read verses 14 through 25. And then we're going to dig into that more and talk about that a little bit more. So starting in verse 14. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and it is good. We established that last week, that the law of God is good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human and a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but yet I don't. Instead, I do the things that I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that 
So I am not the one doing the wrong, but instead it is the sin living within me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I want to do what is right, but I can't. And I want to do what is good, but I don't. And I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing the wrong, but yet it is the sin that is living within me that does it. And I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, inevitably I do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is with, at war within my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still there within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is, brothers and sisters. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Anybody ever had that complex going on before? Say, man, everything you just read is complex. Paul's good at talking like that, but I think Paul does a phenomenal job of capturing the inner struggle that anybody who has given their life to Christ experiences on a daily basis. And I think the response to that inner struggle is where we come up with the idea of legalism. Where people aren't doing the right things on the outside, they must not be right on the inside. Well, they're not saved because they're not living right. Or, well, it's okay if you don't get that. You know, this is what we tend to give our friends. It's okay if you didn't get that right. If you do all these other things right, God will take that into account. And so we base it off the works that we are able to perform, the things that we're able to achieve, more so than what Jesus Christ has accomplished. So in this passage of Scripture, Paul uses himself as an example. And in verse 15, he says, Why do I do the things that I know I shouldn't be doing? I know that I'm not supposed to be doing them, but yet I do them anyways. And he says that acknowledgement right there is saying that when we read of God's Word, we say that God must be right. Because if we say that God is right and we still don't do the things that are right, we're not, we're not acknowledging that necessarily it's wrong and we're wrong. Does that make any sense to anybody? You see the struggle that happens within us with those kinds of questions. But Paul's saying this for the life of a believer. We can acknowledge that the things of God's word are right. And for some reason we still can't get it right. You understand that? We've talked about that I-40 merging in traffic before. Things that come out of us that are not of God and we, we acknowledge that. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe when your kids do something that you told them time and time again not to do, and the thoughts that rage within your mind are not the things that God has placed within you, and you can acknowledge that. That's what Paul is saying happens when our sinful nature is being redeemed. Anybody in here become perfect the moment that they begin their relationship with Jesus Christ? Anybody at all got it all together? Nobody doesn't have it, does it? No. So therefore, we, we begin the struggle that Paul says happens between our sinful nature and our new identity. And what happens is our new identity, this new creation of Jesus Christ, given a new purpose, given a new way of thinking, is still having to contend with the old ways. Anybody once they begin a relationship with Christ automatically teleport to a perfect world where everything is good and nobody draws out the things within us that are not of God? Anybody? Anybody ever had a day where there was perfect drivers everywhere on the road? That happened, doesn't it? Usually about as long as you're in your driveway, you're good. Unless you and your spouse believe in the same time, it's still here. 
So what Paul is saying is that the closer that you grow to God, the closer that we as Christians grow in our faith and understanding of God, then undoubtedly, the more we're going to acknowledge and become aware of the things that sin, the things that God's law has pointed out within us. Am I right? If, if God's law is the mirror that points out the things within us that are wrong, then the more we grow in an understanding of God and a relationship with Jesus and that desire to serve Jesus more and more, there's going to be more things that we realize within us that are not of God's doing. So beforehand, a quick little snap at somebody who just considered nonchalant and didn't really matter, then we begin to start feeling a little bit guilty of it. But then for some reason, it seems like all we want to do is snap at people. Last time I gave you the example of dieting. We know that eating bad, unhealthy food is not good for you, but inevitably, the moment you go on a diet, what happens? You want all the unhealthy stuff you can eat. Nothing sounds good unless it comes with 3,000 calories, am I right? It's the same way with our struggle with sin. The more and more we acknowledge God's laws of likeness, the more and more we as people try to grow in grace, the more our sinful nature is going to try and keep that from happening. So Paul would refer to this as our struggle in the flesh about how our sinful nature still works against our new life in Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, and this is something that's good for you and I both, that even with this new identity in Christ, our setting is still the same. We're still in this broken world. We're still dealing with all the things that we dealt with beforehand. Addictions, uh, shortcomings, failures, things that we have weaknesses within us that we still had beforehand. So inevitably, this life that we live here in this broken world is going to keep the things that sin is using to keep us away from God. And it's going to use those things to continue to work in us. So Paul says the good thing about somebody who is born again in Christ is that the sin that is within them no longer defines who they are. Got your Bible, verse 19 through 23. He says those very things. If I want to do what is good, but I don't, and I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway, I can have faith knowing that it is the sin within me, it is the weakness of my flesh that is causing those things to happen. That's not what sin tells us, though, is it? Sin tells us it's because we're bad. Sin tells us it's just because it's who we are. And so sin is using the things that God had intended for good to point us to who God created us to be. And sin is saying we'll never get there because of those very things. So Paul says the sin that is within us does not define us. But then Paul asks a very important question that I think you and I and I think a lot of Christians take for granted on a regular basis. He says, who can rescue us? from what sin is trying to do with us. It's not us, is it? That's obvious to many of us. No matter how many stop blocks we put in the way, no matter how many good things we try to do to overcome the shortfalls that we have, for some reason we still can't overcome certain things in our life. But then Paul, he points everything back to one instance. He said, thank God for Jesus Christ. You see, this whole time, sin has tried to make it about our struggle, about our actions, about our doings. But Paul says, but thank God for Jesus Christ. He points the whole 
purpose and the whole work and the whole everything back to the fact that we are helpless to resolve our struggle. And that's something we need to hear. We are all helpless to resolve the struggles within us. We don't have it in our abilities to do. But he said, thank God that Jesus Christ has already done it. That's what the definition of faith is, isn't it? It is responding that God's law is good, that the things that God has said are true, and then acknowledging that Jesus Christ must be the one to perform the work in us in order that we might attain it. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is by grace that you're saved through faith. It is a gift of God and not of your works. So Paul says when that struggle with sin is beating you down and there are, are things that you are trying so hard to overcome that you can't do it, he said, the best thing that you can do is to remember what Jesus Christ has already accomplished. That you are no longer defined by the shortcomings of your flesh, but you are defined by the righteousness of the one who has performed his work in so Paul is taking the very center of the gospel message. And he's saying in all things in your life, give thanks to Jesus Christ. You can have mountains of self-help books. You can post things around your office in your car all day with positive thinking and good vibe wishes and all that good stuff. He says, but the only person who conquered your sin was the one who gave his life on the cross. And on days when you can't seem to get it right, and you keep doing the things that you know you're not supposed to be doing, he said, don't worry about putting your faith in yourself. Put your faith in the one who's already accomplished it. Trust and believe in the one who's already accomplished it. You see, that's what brings us here as Christians as believers. It's not that any one of us in this room has gotten it right. It's not that anybody in this room has figured out all the secrets. There's nobody in here that's perfect. Matter of fact, 99% of us in here would say that if somebody knew this one thing about us, they'd throw rocks at us and never let us come back and do it. The reason that we get to call ourselves Christians because of what Jesus Christ has done. The reason that we are able to be seen as holy and stand in the presence of God is because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished. The reason we come together as Christians is to remember that we are imperfect people, that we serve a perfect God who gave us grace, who gives us mercy, and who identifies us because of what he has done and not what 